Welcome to Therapy Paranormal Podcast, Episode 10. My name is Pax. With me, I have Dalton, uh, my partner within the Therapy Paranormal team. And today's podcast is going to be on a bunch of questions that we are going to answer that we've had emailed to us and messaged to us uh, via different platforms. And we are also going to be talking about uh, sleep paralysis slash out-of-body experiences. So, with that being said, how have you been, Dalton? Well, I've been doing pretty good, man. How you been? Staying busy, living life, living the dream, you know, one day at a time. Yeah, I wish work would slow down so I can get back on a real mic. I get tired of uh, doing this off my headset. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely understand. Uh, you know, I, I, all the listeners are just going to have to enjoy my voice a little bit more until you can get back in to get back to the professional uh, equipment and uh, hear you and your, your, your wonderful uh, radio voice there. So... So Q&A night, huh? Questions and answers. Yep, Q&A night. Um, apparently, uh, a lot of our listeners really have been uh, chomping at the bit to get some questions answered that uh, we've had uh, sitting there for a little bit. And uh, we always say, you know, here and there within our uh, podcast, if you got any questions, go ahead and email us at theory or info at theoryparanormal.com. And uh, people are definitely doing that. So much appreciated. So yes, very nice. That's great. Yep. So uh, before we jump into the questions, uh, was there anything in particular that you wanted to touch base on about the paranormal realm or genre or world? Just to uh, throw a zinger in there? No, not offhand. I mean, you talked about sleep paralysis, but we can go into that after a Q and A session. It's fine. Alrighty, easy enough. So. <clears throat> Our first question is going to be from an individual by the name of Caitlin. And her question is this. People who are gifted in certain ways are affected by entities or spirits on the other side more so because they have the ability to do things that most people can't. So basically what it comes down to is Caitlin is posing the question to summarize it. Uh, people that are clairvoyant, empathic, intuitive can uh, touch objects and have memory recall, smell, have visions. Um, for lack of a better phrase, people that are gifted. Uh, these type of individuals, because of what they can do, uh, on the flip side of the astral plane or the spiritual side, or whatever you want to call it, are these individuals more prone to be interactive and have more action from spirits and entities and ghosts and, and all of that? So with that being said, I'll uh, let you give your spin first, Dalton, and uh, you can tell all the listeners what you, what you believe on that. So basically she's saying people that are gifted have the ability to do such. Is that what she's trying to say? I believe the I believe the question was is compared to a, a, an individual that's not gifted because somebody is gifted, does that make that person more prone to the other side interacting with them? Oh no, I, I, I'm going to say not really because we've talked about this before. 
and we talked about how everybody has a sense, whether it's the paranormal or whether it's energy or anything of that nature, that everybody has a sense that they some people don't know why they have it. Some people do. Those, I guess, would be the gifted people that, you know, they know they have the sense or the, the gift to be able to recognize or be in touch with the other side. Um, but I would say it, it, it's, you know, the paranormal is not prejudice in any kind of way. It's, it's basically, like I've always said, everybody's had a paranormal experience. It's just whether they know what they've seen or if they want to believe it or they already know. So my answer to that would be, you know, everybody, it doesn't matter how gifted you are. Now, now I would say that people that have a gift or have a higher sensibility of reaching to the paranormal, it might be more frequent for them if you want to say, but I, I'm not even really going to say that because if people don't know that, you know, if, if they're not gifted or they don't know anything about the paranormal, but weird things keep happening that they can't explain, um, you know, they could be having just as much of a paranormal experience as somebody that knows they're having it, if you understand what I'm saying there. Oh, I do. It's about being none the wiser that things could be happening, but they're not able to identify it up front. So, um, with <clears throat> what, you know, you just stated, I'm actually uh, on the other side of the fence of that. I believe if somebody has the aptitude uh, to be gifted in a sense, I believe that is the equivalent of kind of like shooting a flare or a firework up in the sky at night. And it becomes really obvious to the other side, kind of like a, uh, a lighthouse on the ocean coast. It's dark lighthouse, you know, flashes its light in a circle and everybody can see it. And that's my thought on people that are intuitive or gifted or, or have an ability to, to do something. I think it, it kind of, for lack of better phrasing, throws an alarm on the other side. And it's like, Hey, look at this person because at the end of the day, you know, if, if you got a billion people on the world and everybody's just there, that would get pretty boring. But if you got a billion people and, so many are able to be gifted and the other side's like, Hey, look at all this. And they see all these little white lights everywhere and all those white lights are gifted people. That's their end. That's how they can pick and choose those yeah, I individuals. Can see, I can see where it throws a beacon out. I mean, <clears throat> we've had it happen to us where, you know, we walked into places and for instance, for me and you, uh, we have to shut ourselves down because there's a lot of times we go into places and we don't really want to hear or feel the things that are going on. We just want to be peaceful while we eat or while we walk through the store or whatever, because everybody has something kind of following them around. So, but <clears throat> I understand that, that logic of why you're on that side of the fence, but I just still feel like, again, my opinion, I just did feel like that, you know, I don't want to call it an equal basis. Is it an equal basis? No, because obviously people that are, they have, or they're psychic or they're mediums or they're hypersensitive or whatever, 
they obviously know that they're gonna they feel like they have more experiences than somebody else that doesn't but i'm just gonna say that there is a majority of the people after you talk to them and they kind of tell you what happens or their story or whatever they're not they're not like us so they they but they did have a bunch of experiences you know we've done private investigations with people that are not gifted or or have the ability to do what we do and but they still have a lot of experiences and that's why we're there to figure out what's going on why is this stuff happening and what can we do to help leave the situation at be or if need be which is very rarely what we do is get rid of something so um i, I think it's uh i don't really think there's a, a fine line drawn between the two um I think we're kind of both saying the same thing, in my opinion. It's just, uh, yes, one has more opportunity to do than the others. But on a basis, um, I think I think everybody, you know, everybody has the opportunity to, to have a sense or a paranormal sense. Anything unexplained is paranormal. So that's what I feel. Okay. Definitely can get behind your 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 side of it. Also, I'm I'm an individual that does both sides of the coin. Um, let's see what else we got here. All right. Uh, looks like we have a question from an individual by the name of Allison, and they want to know. Why do hauntings or other paranormal activity seem to only happen at night? Hmm. Interesting question, but like I always say, the paranormal is 24 seven. It's like a good, rush, uh, uh, like a really good restaurant where everything else is closed. Right. Um, I don't know. That's kind of a, that's kind of a tough question for me because I've seen just as much paranormal in the daytime as I have at night. Now I could explain it to a situation of being, it all depends on the uh, place that you're investigating. Um, there is places we've investigated where a lot of stuff that draws the paranormal happened in the daytime. And we've got more evidence in daytime than we have at night, or let's say we've <clears throat> started getting evidence at a point where say it was like eight o'clock at night till one o'clock in the morning. And then the rest of the night, you don't get nothing. Like it just shuts down. Um, I couldn't tell you if it was because the way the stars are aligned and the moon is aligned and everything lines up in that area to be able to, to uh, basically kick it in motion or if it has anything to do with the place itself. Um, I have not really thought about that actually. And because of the fact that I've had a lot of evidence in the daytime compared to the nighttime. So I don't really know how to answer that one. Is that your final answer there, Dalton? That is my final answer. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> well, uh, I got a few different thoughts on that. 
you know, straight up, easy uh, layman's terms, because things that are like to be spooky go up in the night. That's why it's busy at nighttime. Um, from my experience, I've had equally amount of activity during the daytime and nighttime. So I personally can't say it's because of this only reason or that. Now, if I wanted to play devil's advocate and say, okay, let's break it down in my mind, logically why? Well, I mean, there's all sorts of theories. You could say nighttime is because of the witching hour of the way the moon is and the tides and the energy that's in the environment. Um, it could be because of the fact of how close we are to the moon or other stars or planets in the solar system. Um, it could be uh, everything from the, the ley lines and, and the energy that's around with people. Um, you know, I could go on and on. That could be one reason why. Uh, another reason why could be simply because of the fact of when people are sleeping, that's when innately everybody is at a more relaxed state, which means their guard's down. So that makes it maybe. Well, we've always said that. We've always said that, you know, when you're sleeping, the you know, especially adults, they're more accepted to the paranormal. But I mean, that is, is, is the person, you know, is she asking while you're sleeping? Is this why we have more? I mean, there's not really a defined question. It's just more why does stuff happen more at night than in the daytime? Yep. So, I mean, you could have some answers for that, and then you could have some guess what? You know, I'm going to guess at why it happens. But right. like I said, from for me personally, it's – and that's and like I said, I mentioned, you know, the stars are aligned and all that, Yep. you know, in the location that you're at. Or, you know, is it raining at that time? Because that's, uh, you know – that's a conductor of the paranormal raining, you know, um, river flowing out back. What kind of rocks around the area at the time, you know, or, you know, there's multiple plays in this on why it would happen at a certain time. So I don't, I don't, for me personally, I, I really, I really just can't answer that. Yep. You know, the, the other thought process of why, is maybe it just simply has to do also with social programming of what people are used to. Every single thing that we watch in the entertainment industry is always nighttime based. Logically, it started out like that back in the golden age of cinematography and stuff as a effect of scaring and setting the tone for movies. So people were used to that and then they associated it with scariness because it's dark and, you know, you don't know what's going to go bump in the night or come out behind that dark corner. So then people came accustomed to that being hand in hand. Um, that could be the placebo slash subconscious effect of, well, this is why it's always nighttime. Um, you know, it, it, I think ultimately, though, it just comes down to everybody's own personal experiences and what they take away from it and what they have personally interacted with or witnessed themselves to de definitively say, okay, well, it's nighttime or it's daytime. Um, I've been to haunted locations. I've been to haunted residences. I've been to haunted businesses. I've been to haunted national parks. Um, you name it. I, 
I've been everywhere, daytime and nighttime, and I still get activity either way. So maybe yeah, because you could you I, I could walk up one. to a to a creepy eerie house, you know, in the daytime, mm-hmm. and it still gives you an an uneasy feeling. Yep. Yep. So um, it just really depends. So right. I mean, you could probably. You could probably find an answer, but I wouldn't think that it would be a defined answer of that because, like I said, we've – and you've said it yourself that we both had just as much experience in the daytime as the nighttime. So, like I said, the paranormal to me is 24-7. It just depends on the location and, and uh, you know, what has happened there and how these entities want to communicate with you. Yep. Without a doubt. So I think in a way, uh, you know, we both have our, our opinion on this. Um, or shall I say theory, hence theory paranormal. <laughs> and <laughs> no pun. Right. Yeah. No pun intended. And, uh, you know, that's that. So. Um, well, I have a question that was sent to me from. Uh, a Kathy in Tennessee. Okay. And it's it's pretty uh pretty good question, I think. Um she wants to know can spirits hurt you? Um we've kind of been over this, but you know, in the in the, let's let's drop it to sort of a reality form to me, is that a lot of people think there's no evidence that spirits are real and that something that isn't real can't physically harm you. Now, I've heard this been said to me several times is, you know, okay, yeah, they believe even people not like us, but some people believe in the paranormal. They believe as far as there's another side. There's definitely something going on with energy and, and, you know, dimensions and stuff like that. Okay. What they can't, what they can't understand is, you know, how something invisible sort of say that has no, uh, body or form to it can, uh, basically hurt you. Well, you know, as well as I do that, First of all, you got to think about you're dealing with energy, some source of energy, right? So this energy can, if they can manipulate things to move, what makes you think they can't manipulate things to hurt you physically? Now, when you say hurt, that doesn't mean all the time physical. That could mean mental as well. That can mean physical. So there's multiple feelings there to where a spirit can hurt you but they can't they just can't come out in the public and say yeah ghosts are real and they can hurt you because you'll probably freak half the world out you know what i mean it's it's not something that can be what do you want to say publicly announced that way so that's probably why they always ask well for something that doesn't really exist or that isn't real it can't hurt you, but in fact, we know that it can. 
Well, so, yeah, yeah. We 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 both have had uh, our experiences. Definitely understand that. Yeah, we've been scratched, punched. Uh, you know, I've been exhausted to the fact. I mean, we talked about even the time before we even got to an investigation. How all of a sudden you started getting sick, or you know, your physical well-being wasn't in the correct spot. Um, we've talked about where both of us have kind of walked out of places and our mental well-being wasn't in the right spot or that, let's say like, you know, how I talk about how they attach themselves to me and and I, and I just feel physically drained. Uh, you know, that's basically hurting me in a way, if you want to say, um, Oh yeah. And we have photos of people being scratched and and stuff. So, yes, I would say, yes, spirits can hurt you, despite what the scientific um, world wants to say, you know, because they, they always say like, uh, you know, it's it's like uh, when when people feel like they're spirits and whatever, and then they're going to automatically turn to, say, possession. And then they want to come in and, and do exorcisms. Now that that's in a physical that's a physical hurt right there because you know you're doing things to try to get the demon out, which is basic demonic side of it, which is rarely rarely it's a rare thing that that happens. But I don't know. I just feel like yes, they can. I've experienced it, and my opinion is yes, they can they can hurt you in in multiple ways. So, as far as it goes for my opinion, um, as much as I don't want to say this, I will say 100% yes, without a doubt. Uh, What I can share, uh, I myself have had experiences to where I've been affected physically. Um to where I've gotten very ill and sick, uh, such as getting instant food poisoning out of nowhere randomly, to the point of having bad energy uh, attached to me that affected me uh, multiple ways, which unfortunately at the time ended up causing a lot of problems uh, via friends and family. Um, I have known individuals to have experiences with entities or spirits that have either a manipulated those individuals, uh, via psychologically, emotionally, or mentally, or up to the point of physically. And I'll, I'll touch base more so on the last part, physically. Um, there's somebody I knew, family-wise, that used to go thrift store shopping a lot and would always find amazing items, usually antiques. And they ended up 
getting something from somewhere. And they had a dream about a sailor from the 30s. Not a big deal. So they ended up having another dream about this individual. But for some reason, for whatever reason, they were being choked by the sailor. And what seemed like a dream ended up waking up gasping for air and got up because her throat was really sore and ended up going to the bathroom to see what was going on and viewed and saw physically with her own eyes bruises all around her neck. And the only thing I could honestly associate to that is some item this individual got that was an antique had something associated to it or tied to it energy-wise, which drew potentially maybe this sailor. Now, anybody with a clear level mind will say, yeah, you are a few cards short of a poker deck and uh, that doesn't fly. And I would normally very well say I fully agree with you. But the fact, and I'm not biased, but the fact that I actually got to be a part of this personally and see this uh, really added the level of depthness and realism to it. And it showed me right then and there that even if there is a divider of reality between our physical reality of life and the spiritual side that if there is an intent and will to do something to our side that it can very well happen now I'm not saying all of this to try to scare anybody that's listening. And I'm not saying this just to put it out there to say, well, now you know. I'm being honest and forthright and telling you this because this is something I personally experienced. And the very beginning, since the very first podcast of Theory Paranormal with me and Dalton, we always aim and intend to share you our real experiences of what has happened in our lives and tell you exactly how it is with the paranormal. We don't sugarcoat stuff. We don't play games with it. We don't embellish anything. And we don't say things for entertainment value. We tell you exactly how it is from our experience. So to put a bow in everything. Yeah, because you didn't actually like uh, reach up there and choke yourself. No. <laughs> like, no, you know. no, 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 no. And, and just to put a bow on it, it showed me at a very young age that if there's will and intent on the other side, that can happen. Um, you know, there, there's multiple logical, scientific or metaphysical 
analogies and answers you can go into how that happened and why and everything, but we're not going to break that down. The question was simply, can the other side affect you and harm you? So I will say until I am ever proved otherwise, yes. So yeah, I agree with that because, you know, I've been, I've been scratched on the back, you know, been tripped up, been pushed. And I mean, how do you explain that? I mean, you can't. So, um, especially like where I've been scratched on the back. Yeah. Maybe I could have rubbed up against something. Maybe, you know, maybe I did it to myself, which I would never do. But, you know, when you, when you got three scratches down your backside and you're standing in a hallway, you know, that's eight foot wide and you're in the middle of it. I mean, how do you explain that? So it's just, uh, People, people that get scared, I know people get scared and they don't want to, because, you know, spirits and entities roam around us all the time. And so once you tell people that, and then you can tell them, yes, they can, uh, you know, they can physically harm you. But that's, and I'm, I'm going to say it's not a rare occasion that it happens, but it does happen a lot more than often. And and it's actually the only time I've ever noticed it happen is like where we have gone to older buildings or places where the entities have been there for so long that they have enough time to build and feed off the energy in that space to be able to do what they do. Or, in, you know, in the case of your story of picking up something that an object <clears throat> is haunted by. Mm-hmm a spirit that might be malicious or something. So, and that object's probably been around that person long enough for them to be able to build up the energy, to be able to, to do those things, like get in your mind and give you these dreams and then decide it's going to choke you in a way that you get up gasping for air and you have bruises around your neck. And then it's like, what the heck just happened there? You know, um, but yeah, I mean, it's not that, you know, it's not really that we're trying to scare people, but it can happen. It can definitely happen. Yeah, yeah it, it, it can happen. Um, I've been on multiple, multiple investigations where, <laughs> and I don't know why it works out this way. It's usually the naysayers that say, you know, it's their first investigation. They want to see what it's about. They've seen the TV shows. They got their their little K2 meter. They want to, you know, get ghosts to interact with them. And they want to, it's, it's fun. And for all purposes, investigating should be fun. It's an experience. It's something different. It's not something you can just go out to the store and buy. But normally... I see it over and over again. Someone shows up, never done an investigation. They want to do it. Try to, you know, lay down the framework a little bit, you know, start off with a little soft touch, explain a few things and let them just go off and have fun. But normally by the end of the night, then the person realizes what they're doing is real because they've been scratched or they have a small bruise or a myriad of other things. And then it becomes real and it's no longer fun. 
And that's the thing about... No, it becomes a reality. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's the thing about the paranormal, though. I'm not trying to say by any way, shape, or form, me and Dalton are desensitized from the paranormal, but we're old hats to it. We've been in the game for so long, it's another day to us. But for individuals that sometimes go looking for things specifically, don't be surprised when it comes looking for you. That will and intent matters and means something. So um, the reason why I bring Even all this up. your thought process. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could be thinking like, you, you go, for example, like we talked about Ashley's and Rockledge and um, where we was upstairs and that, and the girl wasn't believing things. And, and I asked the question about being burnt up here and, and the ghost radar said, yes. And she kind of was like in her mind, I guess, thinking about, you know, man, that must've been horrible. What'd that feel like? And then her arm started burning and turned red. Yep. I remember that. And yeah. And we talked about it in a previous podcast about that situation, but that type of things, this is why like we go on investigations and we bring people. I tell them, do not even think about, don't even think about wanting them to touch you, grab you or do anything. Just keep your mind on the equipment, the questions and the place, you know, your surroundings, but do, do not, ask them or think about asking them to touch you or to do anything because like i said before in a previous podcast it's kind of like a vampire you're safe in your house until you invite them in and then once they cross that threshold well they're welcome to come in at any time they want so once you open yourself up and you might not even realize that you've done that but once you open yourself up for them to be able to touch you and they pretty much think they have permission to do so. And I will say it's kind of hard to get them to stop and it doesn't happen all the time. Like it might happen one time out of investigation, but I've seen people, you know, they've walked out with multiple scratches and that being, and, and the reason that being is because it didn't come from one entity. It came from multiple entities that are in that place that we were investigating. So once, that person opened themselves up to one one entity. You don't even realize you just open yourself up to all of them, basically. Oh yeah. And and that's and that's the thing people don't understand about that. So yeah. Okay. It's crazy. Oh yeah. Most definitely is. Most definitely is. All right. Let me see here. What else I have for the next question. All right. So many to go through. Which one should I pick next? Let's see. All right. Well, I have one from a Mike in Colorado whenever you're ready. All right, go for it. What's up with Mike's question? Uh, Mike out in Colorado wants to know, why do people do paranormal investigations or any kind of discovery of paranormal activity for a living? Okay. You want to start with that? Sure. So, uh, for me personally, I've 
had a foundation uh, for a long time in the metaphysical aspect world uh, with energy and crystals and rocks and um, different modalities of spiritualism and it segued into technology and, and, and different things with EVPs and so forth. I kind of cover a lot of different bases, but what I'm getting at is, is for me personally, um, despite what I do know about a bunch of different things about the paranormal, when the circumstances were right and the opportunity presented itself, I always personally enjoyed utilizing my skill sets and my experience to do an investigation and help a person or family members get a resolve to something that's going on in their life because it gives them happiness. It gives them closure. It gives them solace and it, it, it gives them a peace of mind. Um, being an investigator goes one of two ways. Normally it's either, and this is just my, my theory it's either a somebody watches a bunch of cool TV shows and says, Hey, I want to do that. Gets on different websites, buys a bunch of gear, just goes out and jumps in or over time as they acquire different skill sets and experience, they start building their, their Rolodex of info and then they're able to apply that in a proactive, positive way and want to assist or help people because i mean if you think about it logically sure you can take courses on parapsychology and get certified in different stuff but the reality is the stuff with the paranormal world there isn't really any bona fide place that you can go and it's like okay kind of like being a doctor you got your doctorate you're good to go you're official it just doesn't work like that so from what I see with individuals, usually it's for leisure or it's for business, business meaning to really help people. Um, and to bring it back around, when situations happen, I always do it to try to help somebody. And that's just me. That's my inner, inner side, just wanting to, to do something bigger and better than myself because I have the skill sets too. And it's never about, let me see how many investigations I can get under my belt. Or let me see if I can do an investigation that tops my last one for the criteria or maybe for how dangerous it is. It's just simply about helping somebody. Because I tell you what, if I had something happen and I was none the wiser and knew nothing about the paranormal and I reached out to somebody, I would hope more than anything these people knew what they were doing or they could give me something at the end of the experience that would make sense, that would calm me down and relax me and try to give me back my sanity. <laughs> that's, that's all it comes down to. So. Sanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta, well, people think that you're crazy anyway, but, um, <clears throat> you know, despite the TV shows and, you know, people doing what I call tire kickers means they get a K2 and a flashlight and they go try to f copy the TV shows. Um, those people there, 
to me, I'm not judging anybody. It might sound like it, but I'm not. But they're just they, – it's what they are. They're tire kickers. They have no – it's it's like a hype, if you want to say that um, there was this hype when the first paranormal shows started coming out, and everybody's like, oh, well, I can go do that, not knowing nothing about what they're getting themselves into or how to do a proper investigation instead – you know, they want to talk about, well, we had Cheetos for a snack and I watched this movie last night. And then, you know, you watch some of these folks and you kind of just say, OK, well, you, you know, you're having fun. You got to experience a little bit. But what they don't tell you is maybe some of the problems they might have from doing that because they don't understand what they're doing or how they're doing it. So I call them basically tire kickers. Maybe that's wrong, but. I'm, that's what I call them because in, from my point of view, I've been dealing with this since I was born. So <clears throat> to have to have no understanding of it, did it mean that because I was doing, uh, you know, astral projection or doing, um, you know, hearing things, not knowing why I was smelling things when other people couldn't smell them? I'm like, do you smell that? And they're like, no. You know, things like that for the longest time, I never knew. I never even used the word paranormal. Right. So I I was just kind of like sitting there going, what the heck is going on here? Why am I experiencing all these things? And I finally ran across. Uh, he was sort of a scientist, basically. And he was a guy that was doing paranormal stuff created uh, different things to be able to try to contact with the paranormal, et cetera, et cetera. But basically told me, he said, well, you're having paranormal experiences. And I said, well, what is a paranormal experience? Like I'm looking at him like, well, what are we talking about here? Because I've never had the word paranormal come out of my mouth ever. So for me, it's, it's personal, it, and I don't even want to take it there, but it is. It's kind of personal because I don't know why I've been dealing with this all my life. I don't know why I've been chosen to be able to hear these things and sense these things and, and be able to figure things out without people telling me when I go into places or picking up on energies or picking up on, you know, in five seconds of talking to somebody, whether I want to talk to them again because their energy is just off. I don't feel good about talking to them, which everybody has that again. They have the sensibility to do that. They just don't understand why. So when this when this friend of mine, he came around and he started talking about paranormal, it's the first time I've ever mentioned paranormal to anybody, but you couldn't at that time because if you mentioned the paranormal back then, you pretty much you were you were in the loony bin. You know, you needed a straight jacket or you're with the crazies or you're smoking a bunch of crap that you don't even know what you're smoking. But, you know, nobody would believe you. So when these paranormal shows came out, it was kind of a relief for people like us. And we could actually go out and do the things that we wanted to do or that we have already been doing and actually announce it publicly because now it's not it's like the norm, sort of say. It's like, okay, we know there's paranormal shows, and now people are fascinated by it because they realize there is something else. So 
I guess the question, like, you know, yes, we use K2 meters and meld meters and digital recorders and, and all kinds of equipment. A lot of people do that, and they think that's paranormal investigating, which it is, but it's only like 10% of the paranormal investigating in my eyes. When you want to break something down to the scientific method of the paranormal, like scientists do, then you're getting into being a paranormal investigator. And it's kind of what we try to do at Theory of Paranormals. We try to break it down into a scientific method or and, – and like I said, we do use the tools, and it's cool. And we can say, man, we got a lot of evidence. And we're not scientists by no means. I'm not a scientist, and you're not a scientist, Pax. So you do have some knowledge of, of you know, from studying and reading – I have my knowledge, but we do do lean towards the scientific method. You know, what's what's the form of energy did they put out? Was it standard or radiation or whatever? What megahertz are the EVPs at? You know, what's this? What's that? We try to break it down <clears throat> into a scientific method. So I guess the bottom line is I know I went all kind of all over the place with that, but it all ties together into why I do it. A lot of people do it because, you know, they want to feel like, oh, I'm fascinated by the unknown or the, I'm not even going to say magical part of it. There's no magical part of it to me. It's, it's reality. People passed away. We're communicating with their, with their spirits. Now, again, we've also said, is it aliens that we're communicating with that are using ghosts and pastimes to communicate with us? Um, so I'm going to say just basically people, some people tire kick because they want to get with the hype. Some people do it because it's the unknown. They don't know about it, but they want to try to learn about it. But some don't know how to go about the right way. For me and you, I can't say that we really know the proper way of what we're doing, but we do do what we do. And, and our, our evidence and our enjoyment of doing it is undisputable. And I wouldn't even say it's more enjoyable as it is for us that we want answers. You want answers for things that you can't understand in your past life, you know, things that have gone on. I try to get answers from things that happened to me years ago in, in my, you know, past life when I was younger. And I just want to say that's basically why we do it is just to basically – get answers and see what the next thing is. But I will agree with you that the number one thing why we both do it is because we have helped people. I've been to towns that I didn't know nobody in that town and we've helped people overcome certain things or help them get rid of something or help them understand what's happening or help them move on from a loved one that passed away, you know, within a few years of us meeting them. You know, letting them know that that person wants them to move on. So there's a ton of things why it is we do what we do. But I don't know. I guess it boils down to basically we love what we do. It, it's not like a hobby or a pastime. It's what we do. And I tell you what, if I hit the lotto tomorrow and I could finance us to do nothing but paranormal investigations the rest of our life, guess what we're going to be doing? 
You know what I'm saying? Hey, I like so, I like the way you think right there. I like that a lot. <laughs> I need a vacation, like for the rest <laughs> of my life. Yeah, for the rest of my lives, I would do this the rest of my life, and I would, you know, I would have top-notch gear. I would have, you know, scientists involved, and you know, doing all that thing if I had the money to do it. But we don't, and that's, you know, that's just what kind of holds us back is everyday life and why sometimes we take a little bit to do another podcast because life just gets in the way. And, um, and then when it finds a way that, you know, when the universe opens up and says, Hey, you guys can sit down and do another podcast. Guess what? (laughs) We do another podcast, you know? Yeah. So. Okay. So here's a, here's another question. This is going to be from Lindsay. And her question is, why are hauntings from deaths that occur many years ago so common compared to a new death occurrence, meaning somebody that just passed away recently? As she put, you never hear anyone say, my aunt just died and now her balls of yarn are rolling across the floor. It's always a reference back to 1776, for instance, old Billy Bojack fell in his pitchfork and ever since there have been hauntings. For reference, both Billy and Bertha were equally nasty, mean people. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I, well, I don't, I don't think. I think that was. I don't an, think I, they necessarily I, have to be nasty. <laughs> no, no. I think I think that was just a, a analogy reference point there. Um, but that, I mean, a, that is a fair question, though. I mean, think about it. You always hear about stuff that is usually happened back in the day, but you'd never hear of a situation that it's like, Oh, so-and-so unfortunately passed away. And then a week later, things just started. It's always something from back in the day. Well, come to think, let's, let's think about that in the perspective of how we investigate, because I'm going to take that off of what we do as a team. So, in my opinion, and you can agree or disagree, it doesn't matter. But in my opinion, it's because most of the things when you're talking about, you know, Billy Bob's aunt that passed away or Bob threw himself in under a tractor. And, you know, you go back to say grandma's balls of yarn, you know, a week later flying across the room or whatever. That's not exactly true. And you know that as well. Oh, yeah. Because we don't discuss our private investigations. And when you're dealing with family members, you're dealing with private investigations that we keep private. We don't we might talk about some private investigations that we do, like we talked about uh, or like when I talked about the young lady that was being possessed in her apartment, Um, you know, or we could talk about the first investigation one of the first investigations me and you did on the other side of the state in a, it was a, you know, these, when we say private investigations, these are people's houses, people's homes. Yep. So, um, where the little girl, you know, she was around there for some reason and threw the uh, bottle of shampoo out of the holder. So does grandma pass away? last week well let me let me take it back just a minute because a lot of people will tell you 
that, you know, they saw their grandmother or their uncle or somebody in the family that's passed standing at the foot of their bed wearing all black or wearing whatever and basically couldn't understand it. And then the next day, the grandma passes away. Or they had a vision of something that them they're like almost like their grandmother came let's say at 105 a.m susie's grandmother came and she had a dream while she was sleeping that her and her grandmother was walking across the ocean the beach side and basically having a conversation and then when she woke up in the morning didn't understand why that was couldn't vaguely remember the conversation but remembered it was her grandmother and then at eight o'clock that morning gets a phone call that hey at twelve fifty five your grandmother passed away last night. Yeah. And they say Well, was that a sign from her she passed away and then all of a sudden visited saying goodbye yep. kind of thing. Yep. Um so these are things that we don't really talk about a lot because these are people's personal experiences and, and of course we don't like to put that out on air because it is people's personal experiences. Unless one of our, uh, you know, if anybody that we've helped before said, yeah, you can, you can tell the story, then we would tell the story. So my thing I'm getting at is the reason why you hear all these things that happened in 1776 or the 1800s or early 1900s is because those are the commercial sides I call them the commercial side, which means we went to a haunted restaurant, a haunted warehouse. Uh, we did a Civil War battlefield or we did this or that. Things that we talk about on a daily basis. That's why you hear more of that. When you start talking about people's grandmothers, uncles, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, there's tons of stories that you know, Axe, as well as I do, that we could we could talk about that had happened shortly after that person passed away. So it does happen. We just, nobody ever really talks about it because now you're digging into somebody's personal life and experience, if that makes sense to you. Well, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Okay. So it does, it does happen. It does happen. Yep. Most Definitely. So with that being said, um, I think they can occur many years in the past, but I think new deaths also happen and it's known. But if you think about it logically, deaths that occurred in the past kind of turn into urban legends. There's a history you know, one person says this, passes it on to that person. The next one says it to somebody else. Next thing you know, there starts to be a little following or the whole town knows about that one house that had that weird thing happen 40 years ago. And then it becomes an urban myth. So I think that's where the whole notion of, oh, back in the day. Newer stuff that happens, I don't think really gets out there and gets known because it's either too new or it's personal or private. You know, if I lived with a loved one and they passed away, unfortunately, and things started happening, 
I want to be the one to go put it out there and put it on social media. You know, that's, that's not common knowledge. <laughs> People aren't really going to do that. So. No, exactly. That's kind of what I was saying is, you know, they, they can talk about so-called urban legends or <clears throat> again, what I call commercial investigations. You can talk about that all you want. Yeah. But to sit here and talk about, you know, Johnny's grandfather that passed away, you know, even two weeks ago, we've had we've had some pretty fresh experiences coming to like, say, somebody passed just a few weeks ago and we've gotten contact or um, movement or anything like that. It's, it's basically a lot of times. And even though even though they calm down and they don't they don't communicate anymore, like they're just trying to say, hey, I'm in a good spot. Just move along. You know, yeah. don't be so mad, sad or upset about it. Yeah. So I would say it happens. It probably happens just as much as the older deaths that, you know, happen you just don't hear about it as much because usually, like you said, it's personal or private. It's not something that people want to, you know, put out in the public eye. Um, you know, even even the show, there was one show a while back. I'm not going to name it. He'd been around for a while, and uh, they don't they don't really show it no more. But he used to do nothing but private investigations, and for you know people that. For you, I, you know, you know exactly who I'm talking about, or no? Oh, I do. Yeah, so he was up. Uh, I will say in the state of Pennsylvania, but basically, that's all that show did was private investigations. But what they didn't show you was mainly personal. Like if it got personal, like it was a relative or something. What they showed you was basically a natural haunt in the house. So it's almost like doing a commercial haunt, but it was done in a house. But they have done some shows where it did to me got a little personal, and I and I was more interested in that, to be honest with you, because you know that could hit home. That could be that could be someone in my family, or that could be you know someone along the lines of another house where my family lives, and something like that has happened with a relative, if you understand what I'm saying there. Oh, completely. So, so yeah, it's, uh, I would say it happens just as much. And for us doing private investigations, like we have been doing, um, you know, as well as I do, that's, it happens just as much as it does from the 17, 1800s, 1900s, or even 10 or 15 years ago. I completely agree. Completely agree. So I haven't, I have another question from a Don in South Florida. Okay. Wants to know, is it dangerous to experience paranormal activity? Now, she's not very um, clear about what part of it, <laughs> but she is asking, you know, is it dangerous to experience any kind of paranormal activity. What's your take on that? I would say it's 50, 50. I believe that it's all 
predicated on the person that you are, what you may be, let me think of the right word here, what you may be susceptible to. Um, if you're gifted or not, I believe if you are, that opens up a whole new can of worms of how you could interact with the other side. If not, uh, I believe that takes away a lot and you may not be as vulnerable. Um, I also think it also depends on where you are and the location. The paranormal to me is just like real life. You could go to any city in this country that we live in and it look like it's a sleepy little town and get mugged. It's all about time and place. That's all it comes down to. It could be bad timing or a coincidence or whatever the case is. But at the end of the day, everything's situational. So you could go to do an investigation in a place that has a horrendous, horrible background and past of nothing but murders and a bunch of other atrocious things that happen. And you go to investigate and it's completely quiet and you hear nothing but crickets the whole night and you have zero activity. On the flip side, you could go to a home that had, you know, a very nice family that was there. Unfortunately, they all met their demise and they've always been cordial and polite. And that could be the one time you go to that place to experience and interact and it be something out of a horror movie. So I believe it all comes down to the day, the place and the time that you go to try to do something. I know that's not really an answer to the question of giving a definitive yes or no, but from my experience, there never is going to be a, hey, we're going here and this is how the experience is going to be because it's always been like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And to add to that part of it, excuse me, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say like this: Is it dangerous to experience paranormal activity? And I'm gonna just I'm gonna answer it in a way that says, well, how how are you responding to that paranormal activity, and what is the paranormal activity that you are experiencing? Because that would play a lot into is it dangerous or not. Now, if you're experiencing paranormal activity where you know, for instance, you're laying around <clears throat> and you see a shadow figure out the corner of your eye or the light on the end table shuts off and cuts back on or flickers or does whatever. But you don't really know that's paranormal. You just don't know what you've seen. You can't explain it. And you're going to rub it off and keep watching TV. Now, if you have a paranormal experience where... Uh, Let's say, like we've done private investigations where the uh, entity was a malicious relative and became a malicious relative in the afterlife, basically, once they passed and they built up enough strength and energy or whatnot to be able to mess with that person again, you know, that that person might not feel comfortable or might feel kind of weird about or maybe even be scared of it 
what's going on because of the things that are happening to them. So I would say I'm a 50-50 player on that as well as you are because there's a lot of paranormal activity that really ain't malicious or harmful in any kind of way. It's just something trying to let you know that it's there because it's trying to communicate in some kind of way. It's trying to communicate to you to let you know a story or let you know what it wants to tell you. And that's where we come in to come do these investigations. But now you have the other people that, you know, they go to a garage sale or they go to a yard sale and they buy an object and it looks really weird. And they don't know why they bought it. Some little demon looking dude standing on a, a rock or something that looks, you know, wicked as crap. And they have no idea why they bought it. They just had to have it. And they go home and they put this thing in the center of their mantle like it's the best centerpiece they've ever had, but it's uglier than crap. So <laughs> that explains you know. so much of your living room right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Anyway, because it's a picture of you. I understand. It's oh, it's there, here we so. go. And um, it started. It started. <laughs> It started, but anyway, so and I, things started and, happening. And, and I appreciate the, the, the framing that you says best friends for life. I appreciate that. That was very nice of you. That's, yeah, yeah, that's sweet, ain't it? I had to. I made sure they engraved that very nicely for us. So <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, is that you know they have this piece. They don't know why they bought it, but at the time they're not thinking. I just got to have it. I just got to have it. I just got to have it. They don't realize that 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 negative energy or that energy in that piece is pulling them towards that. And so they buy it, they put it in their house. Next thing you know, they got cabinet doors. They come in, their cabinet doors in their kitchen are wide open. And they don't know why that just happened. So they close all the doors. They do whatever. They go back out. They come back in a few hours later, and all the cabinet doors are open again. And then it, the activity just picks up and picks up and picks up and picks up. Now, to me, just by talking to you like this, Pax, I would, I would, would you consider that pretty much an ongoing thing that might become a dangerous experience with the paranormal activity? Potentially could be. I mean, it depends on what that precedes or what happens after the fact. You know, if that was all the activity that was there, I wouldn't look at it as malicious or an endangerment to life or limb or well-being because it's just cupboards being open. Now, if you walk in there and the cupboards okay, are open, so they, the next thing you know, you know, dishes and, and cans of vegetables and stuff are being thrown at you, that's a little different. And that's what I'm getting at. So so it may start out as harmless and then proceeds into, let's say, a poltergeist-type activity where a glass flies across, the, comes out of the cabinet and flies across and almost hits you in the head. So... That's what I'm that's what I'm talking about is is you can have so many things that are harmless. And yes, to me, a lot of the things that are dangerous in you know, the dangerous experience of a paranormal activity is pretty rare. It's not like as rare as you think, but it is kind of rare compared to all the good things that we've noticed in doing investigations. But again, these are things, you know, like the the horrible things that happen you hardly hear about because nobody – now you're getting into 
poltergeist activity. You could be getting into possession or or things that people just ain't going to bring out and talk about. So, um, like I said, I'm 50-50 on it like you are. I just look at it in a different manner. It's like what type of paranormal experience did you attract? Did you go on a, a, a haunted tour, let's say at St. Augustine or on a boat or, <clears throat> you know, one of these places that give away haunted tours? Did you go to that? and not knowingly pick up an entity that followed you home and things started happening. Are they good or are they bad? You know? So yeah, it's 50, 50, but I, I just weigh it. Like it could be, it could become a dangerous experience. Uh, you know, dealing with paranormal activity. I, I, I would say, yes, it 50% says, yes, it could be become a dangerous deal. If that makes sense to you. It does. It does. It's it, it kind of goes back to what I said. It's situational. All depends on what's going on. Yeah, it's situational on what's going on. It's situational on, on, you know, what kind of entity that they picked up without knowing they picked it up. Um, you know, what kind of object they bought. You know, if you bought a mask and it was used in voodoo and stuff, and you don't know, but you were drawn to it, again, not knowing why you bought it. And the next thing you know, you got a bunch of weird crap that's starting to turn into fear and like you feel like you're harmed. Like you just feel like, man, I'm going to be harmed at one point. And you call us in and we do investigation and figure out that that mask is doing it. Right. I mean, you know, so, yeah, there is. I just say there is some dangers to it. But then again, there's not. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. It's 50 50. Okay. All right, Dalton, here is another question from a person by the name of Leanne. What can people do to prevent and protect against hauntings? You want to tackle this one first? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with you on that. Hauntings are going to happen. One way or another, um, you know, depending on if you're a religious person, no matter what denomination or faith or religious background you have or ideology, period, you have your belief system and there's nothing wrong with that. And you have ways and, and avenues of, of people you can talk to and, and rituals and rites and passages and, and you name it, totems and deities, all sorts of stuff that you can get behind and believe in and that you're right. Um, some people even say that in itself projects power and strength and can be beneficial uh, in certain scenarios. For myself personally, um, I'm, I'm right along the lines with you, Dalton. If a haunting's going to happen, it's going to happen. You know, it, it's kind of the equivalent of having a dart, like you would throw at a dartboard in your hand and being blindfolded, spun in a circle, and then being told to go ahead and get a bullseye. 
<laughs> I, I can't do that. I can't control that. So for me to be able to equivalently say, I have all of these things at my disposal and this is going to prevent me from dealing with a haunting, I, I don't see it happening. Um, no, and you've had it. You've had an actual experience like that. I mean, you you're at Moon River Brewery, and you had a stone in your pocket that's supposed to keep them from touching you. And what happened to you? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I had a stone. I had a stone in my left cargo pocket, a particular stone, a mineral or rock, if you call it. And uh, I remember I I adamantly and on purpose made the statement out loud in front of the group I was with. I said, I have X, Y, Z in my left cargo pocket. This will protect me from you. And as soon as I said the word you, it was as if somebody came up to me and put their hand around my leg where my cargo pocket was and squeezed all of their fingers into my leg. And I felt that stone press into my leg. Now to paint the picture for everybody listening, nobody grabbed my leg physically, meaning a human being. <laughs> so, right. So, so there you had supposedly, you know, this protective thing and did work. Yep. And that's why, I, and that's why I say nothing because, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I mean, we've talked about this before, about, and we're not knocking anybody's religious beliefs or anything like that. But your religious beliefs, in my opinion, because I'm not a religious person, I've already stated that. Uh, to me, your religious belief can only hold off something for so long, and it's going to find a way to get past that. It's going to find a way to get past that. Uh, the stone that you're carrying or, you know, maybe that stone wasn't imbued in the proper way. Who knows what the case could be on that. That's a word you but, don't hear all the time. What? I imbued. <laughs> imbued? There, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I threw my, threw my college word out for the night. There Everybody's you go. happy. So, <laughs> so um, the, 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 the thing I'm trying to say is you can tell yourself, and even in our investigations, I try to tell people, don't don't want it to come touch you. Don't tell it to come touch you. Just don't say anything in that in that nature. Just you know, have fun at the investigation. Ask your questions, and pretty much, we've had a lot of people come investigate with us and walk away with nothing really bothering them at any time. Now. That being said, there's times where we've had people, even myself and you, we've gone in and we've even did the ritual of leaving and saying, hey, you're not allowed to follow us. You got to stay here. Uh, I don't give you permission to follow or anything like that. And then next thing you know, we're going home and for a couple of days, something might play around with us or do whatever. And then next thing you know, it goes away. But to me, that's just something letting you know that no matter what you say, I'm going to, I'm going to be there. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, if I want to come interrupt your life, I'm going to do that. No matter what you say, do, or have in your hand, doesn't matter. So I would say that has been more 
that's that's done more than it not happening. If you understand what I'm saying, so a lot of it's it. There's more times than none that this has happened, no matter what you have, than it has when you've had something or a belief or you spoke to the white light or whatever these people do on TV or whatever they say. And always something happens. I mean, it's it's just more times than none that it happens to where you say something and it don't happen. Does yeah. that make sense to you? Yep, it does. So and that's what I said in a in a previous uh, podcast that we did. I've also mentioned that, you know, you could bring a tractor trailer load full of all the beliefs and tools and stones and ruins and whatever it is you want to bring. And yes, maybe some of that would work for a short time or it might work for a long time. It happens. But how do you know what to use? Because, you know, more times than one, we've even had normal spirits play tricks with us. You know, you might have an adult acting like a kid or, you know, a kid acting like an adult or, you know, a demon acting like a regular person or, you know, a regular person acting like it's not malicious or, you know, it's not going to hurt you just to get in your good graces. You know, you just don't. That's the problem with investigating is you just don't know what you're dealing with. No, sir. And that's what that's, and that's what makes it not only unique for me personally because, I mean, you're spinning a roulette wheel basically. You just don't know what you're going to land on or what you're going to deal with. So, how do you know how to protect yourself, or how do you know what to say to protect yourself from that? But let me tell you something: that's not the only thing that's there because you probably got fifty other things lined up in that place to come mess with you also. So you might, you might get this one entity to leave you alone, but what about the 50 other ones that are standing in that same room with you wanting to pounce on you? How do you deal with that? I would imbued myself with positive energy. See how I did that there? I used my college word for yep. the night too. In, <laughs> that's right. Imbued. You imbued yourself. You know, it's, but, you know, it's it's I'm just trying to say what, you know, has there been because I don't know of anybody in the professional paranormal world that's ever explained that that's ever said. Now, they, they've hit like, OK, we're going to say a prayer before we go into this building. And, you know, who did that? Uh, oh, Yahoo did that. You know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. They used to do that all all the time and they went to a certain place and investigated and what happened to them. Yep. Well, the thing is, so at the end of the day or the beginning of the day or in the middle of the afternoon, cause they usually say at the end of the day, um, <laughs> any, right. anything anybody sees on TV is for entertainment value. Sure. There's a level of realism, but it's TV hence entertainment. You never see the stone cold, paranormal show where everything's legit true where they show people freaking out they show people bona fide crying blubbering messes people getting injured you know the after effect of something happening and it affecting somebody physically for weeks they don't show these things you know if there was a no because they're scared of crap out of <laughs> they would they would 
I'll tell you what, that's a million dollar idea right there. Make a reality show of what it is and let people see. But that will never happen because there is no waiver. Well, they don't. (laughs) There is no waiver to sign that releases anybody legally of any spiritual damage that affects you eternally. You know, (laughs) imagine that lawsuit. Well, yeah, and, it, and and but see, that's why, you know, we we've been confronted to do a few things in that nature on that design, and I've always just said no because if you can't let me do what I want to do, which is show the reality of it, you can't because what happens is there's going to be you know, Mama Sue sitting on her couch watching your show and you show you show the re- legit reality of an investigation that just goes horribly wrong and you could scar that person for life, which we understand because now all of a sudden, well, I watched your show. It's kind of like the chick that, you know, drank coffee at McDonald's and spilled it and got a lawsuit out of it and won because it was hot. Yeah. Well, duh, coffee's hot. Yeah. You know? So it's like saying, Hey, watch our paranormal TV show. Hence paranormal, paranormal reality TV show or whatever. So you're going to see things that are probably going to startle you, but that's probably why they don't do it because, you know, Mama Sue's sitting on her couch and she's scarred for life because she's seen something that scared the crap out of her. Well, and now, oh, I'm going to sue you because I can't sleep for all the night. There's, there's a fine line between entertainment and something that nobody can tell you you're wrong with. And when that happens and it, Upends and unroots thousands of years of belief systems on multiple continents and countries and, and, and you know races, creeds, and colors. That is a problem. So we are going to go with the the last question tonight. Uh, this is from overseas in Europe, in Germany. Europe, Germany, huh? Yep. And uh, this is by an individual. And uh, their question is, at times, I wake up and I cannot move, but I am awake. What is going on? And I'll start out by answering this. This is commonly known as something called sleep paralysis or depending on how it affects you could also be related to OBEs as the acronym is, which stands for outer body experience or another wording or phrase for this could be called astral projection. Uh, Sleep paralysis, by all definition, is the current state of where you physically cannot move a muscle. But consciously and mentally, you are alert and wide awake. It's also known as Atonia. Okay. Atonia, um, so a brief loss of muscle control. Um so they call it sleep paralysis 
So it's a condition marked by a brief loss of muscle control known as atonia. Okay. Now. <clears throat> and there's also there's other two types of sleep paralysis, if you didn't know. There's an isolated sleep paralysis, which is basically it's a sleep paralysis episode that are not connected to underlying diagnosis of narcolepsy or neurological disorder that prevents the brain from properly controlling wakefulness, which often leads to sleep paralysis. And then you have reoccurrent sleep paralysis, which is basically it involves multiple sleep paralysis episodes over time. Reoccurrent sleep paralysis can be associated with narcolepsy. Now, I'm not going to go to the narcolepsy and the medical terms of it, but a lot of times you have to to decide whether it is paranormal or not. So you could go into uh, because an astral projection. I'm an astral projector, and I don't. I'm going to say I'm going to stand on the other side of the fence from you on that one because that to me is not really sleep paralysis. Um, astral projection is an outer body experience, and that's just a whole other topic and discussion. Um, but sleep paralysis to answer their question. Now it could be two things. It could be legit sleep paralysis or it could be paranormal because the one thing that everybody always says they have an issue with that is, is that they feel like somebody's sitting on top of them and pinning them down, but they're awake. Their eyes are moving or whatever. They just can't move the rest of their body. Mm -hmm. So more than none, more times than any, it's going to be sleep paralysis. It means your your body, your your basically your head woke up, but your brain didn't tell the rest of the body to wake up. So you have muscle loss, you have all that. So the, you haven't had time for the rest of your brain to wake up and tell the other part of your body to move. But in the rare occasion, we have had the knowledge and the and the intel that tells us it was an entity sitting on top of somebody actually pinning them down to the bed. So hmm. you can go from there if you like, but I just had to step <laughs> in and give you a few examples. <laughs> that was that broad brush there of a few strokes of a little bit of everything. Um, yeah. You know, you got the sleep paralysis aspect, you got the astral projection, which is for all intents and purposes, being able to uh, spiritually leave your body and stay connected to it. Uh, there's places called the astral planes, which are different levels, dimensions, hypothetically. And you can travel around and go do stuff. And you leave your body. Uh, depending upon your methodology utilizing this practice, uh, you get to a, a point where, right as you're leaving your body, or after the fact, you're at a heightened level state of awareness. Uh, and you're alert, consciously and mentally but yet you can't move your body. Um, so that's why I brought up the astral projection aspect of that. Um, and then you well, I the can see that cause it's a, it's, it falls along the hallucination lines. Mm -hmm. The, uh, you know, the, like a VM, basically a VM hallucination, right. Which and includes feelings of movement and outer body sensitivities. And, but it's not, I don't think it's actual, an actual outer body experience like astral projection would be so 
it's kind of like when we talk about imprinting and um, residual. You know, remember I said that a lot of investigators think that a residual haunt is also an imprinting haunt. And I separate the two just because it needs to be separated. So that's why I said I kind of stand on the other side of the fence. Yes, I believe that, you know, there is a hallucination of what can, can be considered of an outer body sensation as sleep paralysis. But astral projection is an actual outer body experience. So that's why, just to throw that out, why I see the two differently. Okay. The third aspect could be an underlying medical diagnosis, you know, or is dosis as you, you know, kind of touch base on. Um, but from a, a spiritual metaphysical aspect, I think it could be, you know, sleep paralysis tied into maybe astral projecting. Uh, medically, you know, Western philosophy, all that good stuff. It could be something medically related. Um, as, as far as that goes now, why it happens, it, it, it depends on which way you go with it. Medically, it could be for a variety of reasons, unfortunately, um, as a, a, a byproduct of something or a precursor of something, uh, spiritually on a metaphysical sense, energy wise, because you have the innate ability to potentially maybe astral project, um, as far as that goes. Uh, I would highly encourage you to look up astral projection, look into it and see what that entails. Anybody that's listening, if that sounds interesting to you, go for it. Look it up. Uh, the short and sweet version of it is being able to travel, leaving your body, but still being connected and going to different places and realms and realities and our current world and do things. But I'm not going to touch base on all that really because that's a whole other genre and subject and modality altogether. Um, it is. And there's, and there's also, in case you didn't know, there's also um, an estimated 75% of sleep paralysis episodes involve the hallucinations that are distinct from typical dreams. Right. Um, <clears throat> so there's basically from what I used to research about sleep paralysis it falls into three different categories of hallucinations, which could be an intruder, an intruder hallucination, which involves the perception of a dangerous person or presence in the room. So that could fall into the paranormal aspect. Then you have what they call a chest pressure hallucination, which is basically the, they call it an incubus hallucination. These episodes incite feelings of suffocation or the sensation that someone is sitting on your chest, which we just talked about. You said incubus or, frequently, or, or you said incubus or succubus? No, incubus. So you <clears throat> so basically it's an incubus hallucination, but I'm not quite sure that they're using incubus in the term that we are thinking. <laughs> it's just weird how they worded that. But these frequently occur in a tandem in tandem with intruder hallucinations because of the tightness of the chest, feeling suffocated, like somebody sitting on top of them. And then you have 
the VM hallucination, which is, I'm not going to pronounce this right, but it's vestibular motor hallucinations. Vestible? It can include feelings. Yeah, I call it VM because it's vestibular motor hallucination, VM hallucinations. And this, this can include feelings of movement such as flying or outer body sensations. Again, you're dealing with a sensation instead of an actual outer body experience. To me, there's two different things. So those are three uh, categories of the hallucinations that actually fall under sleep paralysis, and, and hence the word hallucination. So when you, when you study astral projection, that's an actual thing that somebody does. Again, that's a whole other topic. But, and that's why, again, I, I separate. I stand on the other side of the fence of that one because astral projection is actually an outer body experience. It's something you actually do. It's not just a sensation. So maybe what it could be is, let's say, a person is trying to astral project but can't. So they're, like, caught at the beginning of an astral projection but didn't finish so it's a sensation maybe who knows just my opinion if you get where i'm going with that yep i totally do well so go ahead oh i was gonna say you know you can get into sleep disorders um you know people that have problems sleeping they have a higher rate of sleep paralysis uh, people with obstructive sleep apnea, um, circadian rhythm, uh, they're starting to get into some really big words that my redneck butt can't describe. So, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, but, I, I respect that you, uh, I, respect, <laughs> I, I respect that, that you were able to say it. Yeah. Well, um, dysregulation and nighttime leg cramps. Now, I've actually had nighttime leg cramps and I just thought it was heat cramps from, you know, not doing enough electrolytes during the daytime and in the nighttime I've had it. But, um, chronic insomnia, um, it's, you know, people with these kind of things, it's, it's found to be more common of them having sleep paralysis. Now I've, I've had chronic insomnia before because I was stressing out over certain things in my life at one point, but I've never woke up with sleep paralysis. I mean, I've never had sleep paralysis. Maybe because I've been an astral projector, I don't have sleep paralysis. I don't know, but I've never had sleep paralysis ever. But you can get into mental health disorders and mental health conditions, post-traumatic stress, PTSD, something our, our vets uh, you know, a lot of our vets have. Um, well, besides vets, though, just, a, just, just people in general that experienced a traumatic event can have PTSD also. True. So it's all across the spectrum. True. True. Normal people can have PTSD as well. Yep. And others who have been exposed to physical and emotional uh, distress. Yep. Um, people with an anxiety disorders, including panic disorder. Uh, you know, they're likely they're likely to experience the condition. Stopping alcohol or d- antidepressants 
can lead to a REM rebound, which also may cause sleep paralysis. So when you dig into sleep paralysis, there's a whole gang load of stuff you can talk about that deals with sleep paralysis, and it doesn't necessarily all tie into the paranormal. It's just a, I would say there's a small handful that ties into the paranormal, but mainly it's all medical. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that looks like all the time we have on this particular episode of questions from our wonderful listeners and about sleep. Yeah, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody too for sending those in. Those are great questions. Oh, without a doubt. It's, it's, we get questions weekly from listeners all over the world that spend the time to not only message us or email us, but also to really share things that are of a personal nature. Some people tell us that they've had experiences they've held onto their whole life. And after listening to us, they feel comfortable enough to say, Hey, here's, here's how it really is. Here's what I've experienced or witnessed. And they want to give us that information to see if it helps us in any way, shape or manner or form. But not only that, but also would like to maybe get some closure on, on something that they've experienced. And, and we definitely appreciate uh, anybody that is ever willing to share any of their experiences with us so we can give them advice. Um, and depending upon uh, how things may happen, also to actually not only answer it uh, via message or email, but also answer it within a podcast itself and it'd be showcased or highlighted in one of our episodes like we did tonight. So if and, and give them a more understanding of whatever the situation is that they're asking us, they could be, they could be asking us cause a friend of theirs, you know, has this issue and they're just, they're just not the type of person to try to bring that out to our attention. So uh, it could be a friend of theirs that listens to our podcast and says, Hey, you know, I just got this question. What, you know, and they don't have to point out their friend like this. Some of this, they're pretty much saying, Hey, what, this is the question. So yeah, I, you know, we've encouraged since the first podcast to email us any questions or photos that you've taken. You want us to take a look at to see what we think about the photo. Um, you know, anything it's just, uh, again, these are our opinions. And these opinions are based on our experiences. So, yeah, we might we might be a little off on some things that we say, but what is the truth, to be honest with you? Um, you know, anybody can go around and say all kinds of things about certain things and, and, and pick out the wrongs and rights. But <clears throat> it, I'll just say if you want an honest opinion about what we think about it, then, yes, feel free to keep sending in questions because those were some those are some great questions right there oh they are most definitely so for anybody that does have any questions please feel free to email us at info at theoryparanormal.com and we will address whatever questions you have and get back to you promptly so just want to say thank you again for all the wonderful listeners listening to this podcast as you do. And if there is anybody new joining our podcast for the first time, uh, as I said in the very beginning of the podcast, my name is Pax, my paranormal partner in crime uh, in reference to investigating is Dalton. 
And uh, we have been investigating for quite a long time within the paranormal world and decided to put a podcast show on uh, just to tell everybody exactly how it really is with no smoke or mirrors and to give you the unbiased uh, truth of what happens each time we investigate or our experiences. So that will be it for today. And as always, don't be afraid to ask questions.